Now filling in, here's Marie Osborne. Hey, the mad rush is on. A lot of us today are heading out the door for a Thanksgiving destination. Others, well, you're probably staying home and prepping for the big day, the really big day. Uh, we understand the biggest travel days, of course, will be today and tomorrow. And, of course, the thun- Sunday after Thanksgiving, uh, the TSA says they expect to screen 2.6 million people uh, today and 2.7 tomorrow. Sunday will be the biggest crowds estimated at 2.9 million passengers. And that could near- narrowly uh, exceed the record, which was set this past June 30th. So big crowds expected if you're heading out on the road, AAA forecasts that about Fifty-five and a half million Americans will travel at least 50 miles from home between Wednesday and Sunday for Thanksgiving. The road's likely to be the most clogged, of course, tomorrow afternoon. And, of course, tomorrow, a couple of interesting things happen. Tomorrow is a big bar night. We'll talk about that uh, later today and also do a little bit on that tomorrow. The big, big bar night the night before Thanksgiving. And also this thing called Friendsgiving. So many people are doing Friendsgiving uh, as their holiday thing. Uh, Of course, they're meeting their families on Thanksgiving Day, but they also want to do things with their own families. Uh, I got an email or rather a text message from my husband this afternoon saying he couldn't get into the parking lot at Costco. Duh. This was after a very long discussion uh, two days ago about how today and tomorrow would not be good days to go to Costco. We all know that, right? The parking lot is packed. Brian, sitting in the director's chair today. Hi, Brian. Today, tomorrow, you, yeah. Friday, Saturday. <laughs> I know. It's the Super Bowl for you guys. I know, I know. So I, I told him not to go to Costco today. Why yep. didn't he listen? Uh, it's what we husbands do. We do okay. what we want. Yeah. We ask, hey, can I go? I asked Bev yesterday. Hey, can, should I go to Meyer and pick up some stuff? Oh, don't go to Meyer. It's too close to Thanksgiving. And I went, okay. And then I went anyway. And it was horrible. And and you're <laughs> and you got here just in time for work today, right? <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah, you packed a lunch and you just got here. Yeah, it is crazy out there. It's just crazy. Uh, e, uh, probably tomorrow we'll be talking a little bit about some of the things that folks are going to be bringing to their Thanksgiving table. Uh, is there one thing that you have to have on your Thanksgiving Day table or else? Is there one thing? I want to ask Brian and Danielle this question. Brian, is there one thing that when your family gets together, if it's not there, people really complain or... When the whole family gets together, yeah. there better be some deviled eggs on the table. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Now, if it's just Bev and I, we don't do that. But if the whole family gets together and there's no deviled eggs somewhere, there's there's going to there's be, gonna be trouble. Yeah. Somebody's going to be, be uh, bringing up. Bringing up a lot of bad things. Okay, that's kind of an an unusual item. I don't think a lot of people have deviled eggs on their Thanksgiving table. There's also that whole thing about the macaroni and cheese, you know, whether that belongs on the Thanksgiving Day table or what. You know, some families 100% have to have it. Other, you know, like we don't have that. But then again, we're Italian, so we have spaghetti on, you know, our Thanksgiving. You know, we have to have a pasta course with our dinner. So that's that happens. But Danielle, is there something on the Thanksgiving Day table you've got to have? Uh, Ours is deviled eggs as well. Like there is a fight. out. There's a massive, massive fight. Uh, over deviled eggs. Like, we straight up say, when you are in line, you get two deviled eggs first. You're only, <laughs> and allowed, you're only allowed two. You're only allowed two at this point. After that, it's fair, it's fair game. Everyone has to at least get two. 
All right. Is there controversy on what to put in those deviled eggs? You know, I, I love to cook. So is do you guys put pickles <laughs> in them? Do you do? No, pickles don't go in deviled eggs, no. first of all. Okay. My friend did fresh dill one time, and she put bacon on, on it, and no one ate them. Yeah. Everyone was like, why can't you just make them normal, girl? And oh, I think dill would be really good with that. I it, it was good, but they were too fancy for my friend. Oh, too fancy. All right. Do you do Friendsgiving, uh, Danielle? Yep. Mine is uh, on Sunday. This okay. Sunday. Brian, I, I would imagine you do not. I will be working so Danielle yeah, can go to her Friendsgiving. To, to friends, I see. <laughs> yeah. I we have see, to tag team I here. I, I actually think this is a generational thing. I actually think that, um, you know, those of us of a certain age you know, 26 or 27, we do prefer to have, you know, just Thanksgiving with our family and then we're done with it. But I do notice a lot of the uh, Gen Z, Gen X. And I like think it started it. when they left the house, when they left home. Because and they I missed know, us. Yeah, and they needed Thanksgiving, so right. but they couldn't travel. I know that's when it started for my stepsons was we can't travel. We want to travel, oh. but we want Thanksgiving. And they had a lot of other friends that were in the same boat. And so they would all come together and have Thanksgiving together yeah yeah so, that, that's yeah well you know what uh, but a lot of a lot of guys a lot of people now will do friendsgiving even if they've yeah, already had their to, dinner right. with their family i know my son a couple days after thanksgiving is going to get together with pals and they're going to do a little friendsgiving it's kind of cool i like that you're kind of stretching out the holiday thanksgiving is just you know what it should be should be family and food and a lot of fun, you know, and then there's always the controversy about stuffing or dressing, which is better stuffing. You know, of course, stuffing is what's cooked inside the turkey. Dressing yeah. is what's cooked outside in the pan. Yeah. We're, we're a dressing family. Are you yeah. a stuffing family? No, dressing. My mom does both. Oh, she does both. She's crazy. She likes everyone to have variety. So she does both. She's... And she labels them. Oh, she does. This one was inside. This one was not. Well, you can actually tell, I think, because when you, you know, with the uh, dressing, it's it's like in a pan and you can, it, it yeah. kind of looks mac and cheese like that, That's you right. know, it looks kind of packed in. But it's, you know, it's delicious, but our family, we're all about dressing instead of stuffing and that's always a big controversy too. Prices for turkeys, eggs, gasoline are down this year. Uh, still pretty costly, though. I think I saw the other day a family of 10 or for a dinner for 10. It's an average cost of 66 bucks and some change, which, you know, really you can, you know, turkey is still kind of a, a, a pretty good deal. You know, we want to talk for one second about this hostage deal uh, that's underway. We talked about it yesterday. I know I had a report for Chris yesterday on this. Um, Israel, Hamas in the U.S., reportedly on the cusp of reaching a deal. I mean, this this stuff is uh, very fluid. It's been moving all afternoon. I, about in, uh, the last few minutes, we've been waiting for a uh, Pentagon briefing, so we'll probably get some good, solid information out of that. Still, you know, we're being told nothing has been announced. However, as we heard from Fox News at the top of the hour, some deals are uh, some details of the deal are kind of being thrown out there from different sources. Um, allegedly that part of this deal will involve the release of of Israeli hostages, but also Palestinian prisoners from Israel. And somehow it would be a three-to-one deal. In other words, three Palestinians for every Israeli to be released. So something that we're keeping a very close eye on uh, throughout the show here, if anything develops on this. Um, Certainly this is the news that everybody really has been waiting for in all of this. And of course, they're, you know, negotiating whether or not they're going to have any kind of pause in the hostilities. 
If you're going to try to get hostages exchanged, that's going to take some time, and it's going to have to be when uh, when these hostilities have ceased. But that's another part of the deal. We're keeping an eye on that. All right. Your afternoon continues here on WJR. Be right back. Well, if you have a special dog in your life, beware. Veterinarians around the country, coast to coast, are reporting an illness among dogs that they say is a mystery. It has sickened thousands of dogs, hundreds of them uh, have died in five states. We're talking Colorado, Rhode Island, Oregon, New Hampshire, and Massachusetts. We don't have any reports here yet in Michigan, but they uh, are looking at the numbers very closely and looking at what veterinarians are seeing at their practices. Dogs become very ill very quickly, and this is an illness that seems to linger for dogs and eventually some never recover. We thought we'd get a little more information on what this virus is and how we can be good pet owners, good dog owners. We're checking in with Dr. Brad Davis, a veterinarian at Sheehy Animal Hospital. Welcome, Dr. Davis. We understand you're no stranger to radio. (laughs) Oh, no, we did a radio show for years, but... uh... Uh, not not as big as yours, obviously. Well, here's your chance to dance in the sunshine. Uh, we're so glad you could join us, Dr. Davis. What can you tell us? I know you've been reading about this and hearing about this. What can you tell us about this virus? Well, what you said before is, is uh, fairly accurate in, in one big way is that no one really knows much about it. We They believe it's a virus, and they're, it's one of those things they're working at, uh, at colleges and uh, the labs are trying to find out what's going on, so much so that they're sharing information. So they're pretty much on high alert about it. The thing is, is that it's, I don't want people to be scared. This is not something to be frightened of. It's something to be aware of. It's something to take precautions. You know, it's, I always say live your life, but don't necessarily uh, just live it smarter. And it shouldn't be too big an issue. But yeah, right now we think that's a virus. But we don't know exactly what kind of virus. We don't know exactly uh, where it came from. We don't know exactly how it spreads. So right now, they're just at the early stages. So am I right that uh, what I've read is that it starts with a cough and then moves mm-hmm. into pneumonia? Yeah, the thing that you, uh, what you get, and, and there's various stages of it. Now, this is, that's the interesting part. When there's a disease called kennel cough or tracheobronchitis, just means inflammation of the trachea, you get some mucus in there, it causes them to make that sort of honking sound, that honk sound that you get when dogs cough that you've heard before, I'm certain. Yep. Now, that, that cough is something that usually responds nicely to antibiotics, and you don't do cultures. It's simple enough just to diagnose it from the signs. Well, the thing about it is we're not responding. That's what they're seeing. They mm. give the medications, and we're not responding to the antibiotics or secondary antibiotics, and they're not finding bacteria. What they're finding is is that the virus itself is causing the problem, and the virus is leading to further respiratory problems. So, yeah, it starts out with a gentle cough, getting to be a worse cough between, they call it mild to moderate, and then it ends up uh, going into the lungs where you get the pneumonia. And then if the worst-case scenario is you get a poor outcome, because the, the, the pneumonia can cause uh, degeneration in 24 mm. to 36 hours. That is really scary. Just, I mean, mm. just when you're trying to get a handle on what's going on with your pet, you know, mm. suddenly it becomes extremely critical. Is there, can you give us some good advice on what we should do to be good dog well, owners Well, the simple here? thing is that when you're dealing, well, first off, 
don't do you're not going to I've seen a lot of things about doing vaccines and that's all that struck me as odd because there's not a vaccine for it right now um what it comes down to is this is not a disease that's known. It's not something that we're attacking with 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 a, a vaccine that can protect you from it. But what you do is you just do things in a smart way. Now we've all got used to from from COVID. We all learn things like super spreader events. Well, you're not going to find a much bigger super spreader event than Thanksgiving. Yeah. And that's the thing that concerns me. You talked about the states they were found in. That's an odd grouping of states, isn't it? It's a smattering over here yep. and a smattering over there. Um, the problem we're going to have is that people from Michigan are going to be driving their dogs to visit their relatives in Illinois, and then their dogs are going to be together, and then they come back, and that's how it spreads. And so what I would say is this. It might be wise to make sure that the dogs that you're going to go visit are healthy. Um, make sure you don't interact with dogs you don't know. Stay away from if you're in one of the states where there's a problem, don't go to the dog park. Um, maybe even rest stops along the way, you know, just make sure you're not around other dogs. Um, just do your best to just be wise. And generally speaking, you're going to do okay. You know, that was one of the things that I was going to ask you about because of the holiday and holidays mm-hmm. that are coming up through December. You know, mm-hmm. it's the time that a lot of people kennel their dogs. You know, they need sure. to travel, so they're going to kennel their dog. Or yep. the great case that you met, uh, made, you know, uh, what is it, 55 million Americans are going to be on the road. So they're going to mm-hmm. be taking, some, in many cases, their pets. But that mm-hmm. was good advice. So what, should we avoid the kennel? Should we avoid, you know, uh, that's a great question, and I would uh, my first thing, my first statement would be there's no reason to in Michigan right now. Uh, remember, we're not we're not talking about there being a problem here. A few years back, uh, there was the disease, the disease, a dog influenza that was coming up, the dog flu, and it was a big deal. It was a huge event that it was coming, and it was it was on its way, and we were scared for months. Never got here really. It got here a little bit now. We're 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 taking care of it. It's just it's down in the downslope. It looks like we're controlling it better. It sort of went up in Chicago, not into Michigan. This could be something that never actually gets here. But it's, so I would say this. I don't. I'm not afraid of the kennels. I'm not afraid of them right now because frankly, we're talking about something that's on the west coast, something that's on the east coast, not some and something in Illinois, not something here. Generally, with kennels, you're talking about local animals, and so there's less chance you're going to be exposed to it. And uh, we can't let you go without asking this question due to the fact that we're heading into this giant holiday on Thursday mm-hmm. that involves people food, that what we mm-hmm. like to call people food. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's sometimes, you know, Grandpa Harry's at the table and he can't resist mm-hmm. giving, you know, your pup a little something off the table. Sure. Can sure. you just uh, give us some good advice about the do's and don'ts with our pets and human food. Well, I, I, I've never heard of a dog eating any extra food at Thanksgiving. I don't know what you're talking about. But, <laughs> uh, but no, real, realistically, this is a common problem, and you're not going to do much about it. You can't stop it. The little kids drop things, et cetera. Um, generally speaking, the less is, is, is better. Um, the less food they have is better. Um, if there's any question in your mind whether or not they should have it, don't give it. And just a morsel. A trick that I always tell people, keep some food, uh, dog food, dog treats at the table. And then when you want to give them something, give them something that's not going to be harmful. They're still getting your attention, still getting your love, still getting a snack. They're happy, you're happy, and there's more food there for you. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, also before you leave, can we talk for a little bit here about 
I know that your industry is going through a lot, your industry, your your profession is going through a lot of changes. And uh, mm-hmm. so many friends have commented to me how difficult it is to get vet appointments. And yeah. I mean, they're, just like so many other health care, you know, when we're talking even health care of our mm-hmm. pets, there's a shortage of veterinarians. What is, What's yeah. going to happen here? Well, veterinarians have been, uh, it's, uh, there's, I'm, I should mention uh, I'm an old guy, so let's start there. The <laughs> thing is, is that young vets are getting fewer in number, and the reason is the cost. When I came out of vet school in the in the eight in the 90s, at the beginning of the 90s, I would have been in debt about sixty thousand dollars. Vets coming out of vet school now are in debt like six hundred thousand oh. dollars. And so what happens is they literally know they're never getting out of debt, so they take jobs outside of their their career field or they leave it quickly because there's just this is not a highly paid profession compared to others now that said uh we have to find ways in order to make it more affordable to become a vet so more vets stay in the profession and uh so the the changes that you're seeing corporations are taking over there's big corporations in veterinary veterinary medicine now the little places the ownership that's going away because of the large corporations. So, yep, you're right. It's a, it's a it's an industry in transition, and what can we do about that? Well, I'll figure that out as soon as I cure this uh, mystery uh, dog. <laughs> yeah, the we we only give you the big questions here, the hard <laughs> ones, you know. Well, we'll get you started on the Middle East when we get past those other ones. I'll too. That too, yeah. Uh, Doctor Brad well, Davis, thank you so much for joining us today, giving us a little insight into this virus. Your advice is to just be smart with your pets, if, mm-hmm. if, especially if you're traveling with them. Don't go around other dogs, certainly that you don't know. Ask if you're going somewhere. Is the dog vac? You know, is your puppy vaccinated? I want to bring have you seen mine. Any problems? Yeah, have, have you seen, seen any, any problems? problems? Right, mm-hmm. and and that that's the best advice. And to keep a close eye, and if something crops up, definitely to get uh, you know, get the help that you need for your and pup. Call your vet. Yes, call yeah. your vet. Your vet might say something different. You always want to check with your vet. That's what they're there for. Um, we always love we love answering questions before it's an emergency. Absolutely. Dr. Brad Davis, veterinarian at Sheehy Animal Hospital. Have a great Thanksgiving. You too. Take care. All right. We'll continue here on WJR Afternoons. When we come back, we'll chat a little bit about how how do you feel about this? A service fee to get a customer service call in. We'll have that story when we come back. Now filling in, here's Marie Osborne. And welcome back. Listen, today you could win tickets to Spartan football's final regular season game on Friday, November 24th at Ford Field. Be caller 9 at 1-800-859-0-WJR to win uh, four tickets to see Michigan State Spartan football take on the Nittany Lions of Penn State, 7.30 Friday, November 24th at Ford Field. You can find the official rules at WJR.com. Tickets are still available to purchase at Ticketmaster.com. Again, that's caller 9 at 1-800-859-0-WJR to win those four tickets. Okay, when whenever there's big shopping events taking place. The scammers love this, especially if a lot of this merchandise exchange is happening online. 
There are a lot of scams out there, more than ever before. We couldn't think of a better person to chat with about this problem because, look, we're all going to be shopping in the coming weeks here as we really get hot and heavy into the holiday season. Melanie Ducanel is the president and CEO of the Better Business Bureau of Detroit and Eastern Michigan. Melanie, so glad you could join us. I'm so happy to be here, Miss Marie. How yeah. are you? Hey, we're doing great. Uh, you know, of course, we're down to the countdown for Thanksgiving dinner. So <laughs> you know how that is. You are a busy bee, I'm sure. I'm sure you are, too. All right. <laughs> let's talk a little bit about uh, Black Friday scams that we need to watch out for and how easy it is to fall for them. Yeah. So um there's several things that happen. And the thing is, is that we're all on the hunt for the best deal. So how do we do that? Well, first of all, don't fall for the fake coupon or vouchers. So you may go into your internet search and go, hey, I want a Target coupon. Not all Target coupons on the internet are real. So where do you go? You go to Target.com. You don't go and ask Google to give you a Target coupon because they're not all legitimate. So stay away from that. Um, the other one is what we call um, typo missing or type, uh, typo setting. So what we mean by that is you're typing in Target.com, but instead of Target with a T, you put Tarjur, and you use an R instead of a T. And there are scammers out there that bought that URL, T-A-R-G-E-R-R, and they're going to make it look like Target, but they're going to take your personal information, they're going to take your credit card information, and they're going on a buying spree. Yeah, that is the danger. That the that's what they want. That's what they're after. Is they're after exactly. your information, and they're after exactly. yeah. Uh, I have to tell you, true confessions here, I consider myself a very savvy shopper, especially online. I'm very careful about the sites that I visit and what I buy and, you know, double, uh, triple checking the double check kind of thing to make sure that I'm on the right page at the right place. So a friend of mine had posted uh, on her social media saying that this, I won't mention the name, a very well-known company that makes Christmas trees. Uh, this was back in August when this happened, was having a big sale. So this friend posted right. this. So I right. clicked on that website and I thought, oh, you know, wow, that's a pretty good sale. So I click on it to see. And then what I also did was I clicked out of that and went to the website for this company and it said, yeah, sale. So for whatever reason, I went back and ordered a tree, a very oh, deep, no. yeah, I ordered a very deeply discounted tree, deeply, deeply discounted using the link that my friend had posted instead of, you know, the one that I had looked up, which was a mistake. So, um, you know, I buy this and then I, you know what else, Melanie, I get an email from this company. With the with it all looked official, saying, "Hey, your tree is on the way. You know, just if you know, we'll send you a uh, tracking number as soon as we get it." Which is what happens when you place an order anywhere, right. really nowadays. So a few, couple days later, I'm in the store. I try to use my debit card, and it's declined. And I 
thought that was a little bizarre. And then I, so I used a car, another card and left and tried to use my card again and it was declined again. So I called the bank. They'd shut my account because it, it looked at the bank suspected fraudulent activity. Somebody right. tried to put a thousand dollars through on my account that did not look legit and the bank shut the account, which I deeply appreciated, you know, from my bank doing that deeply. Right. Um, right. So, and I, so anyway, I backtracked myself and sure enough, that was a fake site where I wanted, where I ordered this tree. It was fake. I had to shut an account down. I had to get a new card. And there were other problems past that that I won't get into on the air. (laughs) But they were bad. They were all bad. There was nothing good about any of them. And I just thought, how did I fall for that? Because you trusted your friend. Yes. The difficulty is that Facebook has been corrupted, not on purpose, not because of their negligence, but because these scam artists are really, really good. So starting with trust is BBB's tagline. So you you trust your friend. If they're going to advertise this, they must be doing it. But sadly, this type of Facebook scam has been happening in all kinds of things, including online purchases. But one of them is a rental experience where there's this house for rent and the neighborhood you love and it's going for dirt cheap and and you come to find out that house is not for rent. It's not even unoccupied. No. It's not even owned by so-and-so. And so they have taken, again, that trusted friendship or family member, leveraged that to the scammer's benefit. And sadly, you know, the experience that you've gone through has happened more times than I can have fingers and toes for. And you know what? You said something just there. I think it's the old adage. I mean, our parents taught us this. If it seems too good to be true, it probably is. And I know in the case I described for myself, the tree that I wanted was so deeply discounted. And I just thought to myself, well, it's August. They must want to clear out inventory. Not. Yes. And uh, <laughs> I, I even called the company and said, you know, I this looked like your website. And, and the woman said to me, ma'am, I am so sorry. She says, you are not alone. We get calls like this every day. She goes, we never discount that low. And then when right. she said that, I thought, darn it, I should have been a better thinker and <laughs> realized that, no, that deal was just too good to be true. So how can exactly. we protect our credit cards and our debit cards as we shop and as we um, you know, shop online or uh, hopefully brick and mortar? But how do we protect ourselves? Right. So first of all, do not shop with your debit card. Your debit card is your sacred card that should not be used for online shopping. And the main reason is is that people can, again, corrupt that information and go after your bank accounts. With a credit card, you have the option and the opportunity to dispute the charges. As you saw, your bank was smart enough to say, this is out out of the norm, we're going to shut this account down because we really don't like this retailer. With credit cards, if you can prove, one, that you did not receive the product or the product you had ordered versus the product you received were two completely different things, they will reverse the charges back to the retailer. They'll take the money away from the retailer. So that's very important. 
The other thing is, is that if you have a couple of credit cards, one that has an, a really fat, juicy balance, try to save that for emergencies. Because if your credit card does get corrupted, you want them to have as little available credit yeah. as possible. Yeah, as little wiggle so, room as possible, right? Exactly. The other thing I would do, especially during these times of year, is to lock your credit report. I know that sounds a little extreme, but by locking your credit report, if anybody should get part of your personal identifying information, they can't open credit in your name, but for their benefit. Right. If you need to apply for um, a loan of any sort, you can go to the credit bureau, say, unlock it for this particular yeah. uh financial institution, and then shut it down after they have done their search. Absolutely good advice. Melanie, we need to run. Melanie Ducanel, yep. President and CEO of the Better Business Bureau of Detroit and Eastern Michigan. Quickly give us our website where we can get more info. It's bbb.org slash Detroit. Have a great Thanksgiving, uh, Thanksgiving Happy Melanie. Thanksgiving. Take yeah. care. And when we come back here on WJR, this is going to be a great conversation what are the okay topics to talk about at the Thanksgiving table? Well, you can guess one is one no-no is politics, but we'll have the rest when we come back here on WJR. All right, we're going to be gathered around the table on Thursday, and whether you've got a table for 20 or more, or just maybe four, maybe two, there are just some topics you don't need to be talking about around that dinner table. And we've all been there. We've all had that moment with our fork uh, midair and wondered, oh, why is she asking that question? So let's talk a little bit about the do's and don'ts about Thanksgiving dinner table conversation. Tara Parker Pope is the well, uh, well-being well editor for the Washington Post. Tara, thank you for joining us today. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me. All right. Even though these topics are really verboten at the Thanksgiving table, we can talk about them here. Yes, exactly. Right. So this made me laugh out loud when I read these because I think I have personally witnessed in all my years, each one of these things happen at the dinner table and just wonder, I mean, we don't want to ruin the dinner. We want, we want to make it nice. I think a few years ago, uh, I noticed that a lot of people said, look, we're not at, we're not talking politics at the table, no matter what anybody says or wants to say, we're just not doing it. So let's go over some of the five things that you talk about in the Washington Post, the five things not to talk about at the Thanksgiving table. Is there a number one for you? Well, it's a it's a close call between uh, politics and commenting on what people are eating. But let's just assume that politics is a bad topic. And maybe at the end of this conversation, we can talk about how you get out of those conversations. But yeah. I think something really common at the Thanksgiving table is that there are certain people that just feel the need to comment on what you're eating, what somebody uh-huh. else is eating, how much they're eating, or even how little they're eating. Uh-huh. And people often think that it's okay if you say, oh, you're eating like a bird, you need more, eat no, it's not. It don't talk about what somebody chooses to eat or not to eat. It's all a form of food shaming. You don't know their story. You don't know how they're feeling. You don't know their history of maybe eating disorders or health issue. And it's really not your place to comment on what's on somebody's plate. I think, you know, it's great to say this food is delicious or thank the host or 
you know, if somebody asks you for like, you know, could I have seconds of that? The response is, I'm so glad you enjoyed it, you know, right. but don't comments about what people are eating are, are inherently judgmental. And let's just, let's just leave that off the menu on Thanksgiving. I think some folks uh, who are older, you know, grandma is saying, oh, come on, you need a, little, need a little meat on your bones, have another, you know, that, you know, from our grandmas we and our aunties, we used to kind of put up with, but really, there's really no place for that. And certainly, I think now that more people are vegan, more people are gluten intolerant or following diets like that, you're getting into some, you know, you don't want to be asking, well, why are you vegetarian? I don't understand why you're vegetarian. It's just good not to comment at all. Yeah, just don't comment and let let people sort of come to you. And if they want to talk about it, they can. And I be prepared if you know you have that grandma at the table, just be prepared to rescue someone, you know. And oh, just good idea. Subject or, yeah, always be ready to rescue your, you know, the people you're dining with. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's that's good. some good advice. <laughs> yeah, good idea. Hey, listen, what about you say stop talking about the wine? What's up with that? You know, there are a lot of people who choose not to drink alcohol. There are people who have, you know, out there recovering from alcohol addiction or alcohol use disorder. And we have this tendency among people who do drink to pass around the bottle, to talk about the wine, to go on and on about the wine. You know those people. Yeah. And oh, yeah. If you, you know, if, if, if all four people at the table are drinking wine and, you, you know, you all know each other, it's one thing. But when you have a large group of people and some people are choosing not to drink, just don't talk about the alcohol. You know, don't assume that everybody wants to talk about the alcohol. It can be very triggering for people. You know, you might have a sober guest at the table who's recently stopped drinking or, you know, maybe there's someone in their family who drinks too much mm. and they have, you know, they have something. It's, we have to just remember that certain conversations, again, around the food are just not always welcome. So I think you have to kind of know your audience. It's yeah. fine if you're with someone and you both love wine, talk away, talk about how it smells like hamster cages or whatever it is you want to say. But, you know, if you don't know everybody at the table and some people are not drinking, just be mindful. They might have a reason for not drinking and, and don't comment on it. Yeah. And this is not saying don't drink. That's not what you're saying. What you're saying is enjoy your drink, have a good time, but just be mindful. There may be people at the table who do not drink. And I think that's respectful. I really do. Yeah, it's just about being respectful. Right. And don't ask about grades, school, college plans. We love to hone in on the younger people at the table, don't we? I feel so sorry for young people from elementary to middle school students to high school students to college students during the holidays. I I raised a child, and, and even when she was in high school, what are your college plans? Oh, you taking the SATs? What do you want to do? And like young people hate those questions. They're super stressed out already, and they just don't need to be grilled. And the table should be a safe space, right? The table should be a place to enjoy family and conversation and food. And it, if, it shouldn't be like a place to say, you know, oh, yeah, he didn't do your homework or you got in trouble at school. You shouldn't talk about those things at the table. It can really create a lot of issues with making children just dread being at the dinner table. And the family table is a wonderful place. There's lots of good things that happen to young people when families gather and intergenerational families gather. It's like we want this to be a positive thing. I mean, kids eat more vegetables. They, they just have better mental health. All these good things happen when families dine together. So don't ruin it by peppering them, peppering young people with questions. You know, there's lots of things to talk about. You don't have to talk about school or the college application process. 
Yeah, that's for sure. Maybe do you have a suggestion that we can talk with the kids, like a good starter? You know, I think you uh, kind of opened the door. Did you do anything fun today? Yeah. What's your favorite memory of Thanksgiving? Yeah. What's your favorite food? You know, what do you like about the holiday? Yeah. Do you have anything fun planned? And some kids are going to say no. (laughs) As they do. (laughs) But some kids are going to, you know, So you've just got to understand young people and let them join in, you know, throw out some conversation starters. But just young people don't like to be sort of grilled by adults. That's just not what they're into. Or, or try to meet them. Do you have a favorite video game? Um, did you see this movie? Um, what's your favorite TikTok? Have you seen any funny TikToks lately? Like, try to meet them at their level. Just don't, just don't, you know, if they don't answer, let that, that's okay, too. People shouldn't have to engage in conversation, even if they're young people. And we don't, have, we don't have a lot of time left, but I do definitely want to get into don't ask young people at the table are, hey, when are you getting married? Hey, when are you two getting married? It's so invasive. People will ask questions about when are you getting pregnant? I mean, come on. I think it's just obvious. Just don't ask people intrusive questions. I think the thing to remember at the table is that, you know, one, we should all be ready to change the subject to help out our fellow diners. And there's a lot of fun things you can talk about at the table that aren't intrusive. You can talk about favorite family traditions you can have about fantasies. If you won the lottery, what would you do with the money? Yeah. You know, you can talk about, you know, a great book you just read. Just try to not be intrusive and try to respect people's, you know, privacy and just make the conversation joyful and fun and yeah, talk come. about the things you're thankful for. I mean, that's what it's about. Right? That is what it's about. We want to thank you for joining us t- uh, today. Tara Parker Pope, well-being editor for The Washington Post, the five things we really shouldn't talk about at Thanksgiving Day table. We'll continue here on WJR. Now filling in, here's Marie Osborne. Trans-Siberian Orchestra hitting the road with the Ghosts of Christmas Eve, the best of TSO and more, and you can see them at the tour stop of your choice. Rock out at the Capitol for Christmas party in New Orleans or find warmer weather in Orlando. You get to pick. One winner will score two tickets to their Trans-Siberian Orchestra concert of choice, round-trip air, three-nights hotel, plus a $1,000 gift card for your holiday shopping. Prize provided by Wild Child Touring. To enter, text this hour's national keyword, SPIRIT, to 95819. That national keyword is SPIRIT to 95819. You can get the full details and official contest rules at WJR.com. And Chris Renwick off for a few days as he heads out to be with family. We hope he has a great trip and a great Thanksgiving. We're glad you're joining us this afternoon. This situation in Iceland is unbelievable we're being told now that authorities believe that the iceland volcano could erupt in just 30 minutes notice that's it with 30 minutes notice uh the country's meteorological office warned that magna might have reached very high up on the earth's crust apparently there has been very little uh, very little seismic activity In the last 24 hours, there's been uh, decreasing earthquake activity for the last 24 hours, and that could be a sign that magma has reached very close to the Earth's surface, adding that this could be an eruption that could happen at any time. And when we're talking about any time, they're talking about giving only a 30-minute warning uh, for uh, this area in Iceland uh, due to this volcano. 
really, really scary situation there um, as what could happen in Iceland. Um, I don't know. We have a lot of recently Iceland has become the darling of a lot of tours. A lot of folks have had the opportunity to travel there. It is really a short flight from Detroit. I think it's just uh, I want to say five hours. I'm not really sure, but it's something like that. I've been there. Um, Beautiful country. Great people, of course. But now may not be a great time to visit as they're seeing all this seismic activity. And it is just just this one area of uh, Iceland. So we'll keep an eye on that. Also, something we're keeping an eye on, of course, is this uh, supposed deal um, between Israel and Hamas over a swap for Palestinian prisoners who are in Israel for some of these hostages, if not all the hostages, we're getting indications that this is very, very close. We talked about it yesterday on on the afternoon show, but it is very close and um, getting closer. The deal could be much closer. And one of the things that we heard some reporting on this topic, that this deal may involve, again, this swap involving three Palestinian uh, prisoners swapped for every Israeli hostage that's being held for Hamas. And that, of course, now they're still negotiating how they would actually do this in terms of, you know, they'd have to have a ceasefire on hostilities in order for it to happen. So lots going on in the Middle East today. Hopefully we'll get word soon and hopefully it'll be good news that this is going to come overall to an end, but in particular that we're going to see these hostages come home. Found a great story this afternoon that will warm your heart. A great holiday Thanksgiving type story. This is a story about the town eccentric who dies and a big shocking secret is discovered about that person. We're talking about a man by the name of Joffrey Holt. He was unassuming. He was the caretaker of a mobile home park in Hinesdale, New Hampshire. He lived a simple but People said a pretty curious life. People were pretty curious about him through his life. Residents would see him running around town or walking around town in threadbare clothes. He had either clothes that were raggedy or that had been repaired many times. He always rode his lawnmower. He had uh, given up his uh, car many years ago, so he rode a, a lawnmower. He'd go to the convenience store parked along the main road, read a newspaper, or just would sit there and watch cars go by. Well, he died earlier this year, and it turns out he was a multimillionaire. And what's more, he gave all of that money to the community, uh, which is just about 4,200 people. So the money that he had all went to the um, people of Hinesdale, New Hampshire, one of his uh, one of Holt's first investments, we understand, was into a mutual mutual fund, which was in communications, and that was before cell phones. So he saw all that growth with his investment. He has an 81 year old sister who lives in California. She said she said she knew her brother invested, and remembered that he would did not waste money, didn't like doing that, and he invested. Um, they were told how important investing was by their father. So he had a learning disability. He had dyslexia. He had to deal with that his entire uh, life. He did in his um, earlier life, he did teach uh, online driver's education. Uh, 
so that was his profession. He taught uh, driver's ed before it was, I should say, before it was online. So that was his occupation. But he died. You know, everybody thought he was the town oddball. But there you go. He was a multi-millionaire, and turns out he's going to give all of that money to the town. They still haven't decided what they're going to do with it. Um, they they think that they might um, buy a new a ballot counting machine because he always made sure that he voted. So that's one of the things that they might be looking at. Um, so there a lot to be said for the quiet guy, right, Brian? And I was thinking since he had so much money, he went from the town weirdo to the town eccentric. Oh, oh yeah. There's, <laughs> there's always that, right? Yeah, yes. Yeah. I love the the way we, we used uh, different uh, yes. terminology, right? I'm an oddball. If I hit the lottery, I'm now eccentric. Yeah, or the weird, or sometimes just the weirdo. People well, yeah. thinking you're weird. Well, I get, and I get uh, called that all the time. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, let's let's hope you're not uh, hiding multi-millions on us, Brian. Uh, <laughs> You'd be driving a better car. If I am, I'm right? hiding it from me, too. <laughs> uh, you know, there's also this interesting development uh, uh, with AI uh, that has just really captured the imaginations for a lot of folks. OpenAI is the company behind ChatGPT. We've all heard about ChatGPT. Uh, and it's facing a potential wave of employee resignations. There was a surprise ouster of the CEO of OpenAI. His name is Sam Altman. Uh, the board knocked him out. Um, it was um, the board said they were firing him uh, because he was negotiating in bad faith. Now, more than five hundred employees have signed a letter threatening to quit after um, the. They say the board mishandled his firing. They want him back. He's the brains of the operation, they say. But guess what? A lot of other companies have reached out. Microsoft has reached out. Other companies have reached out. They really want to get a hold of this guy and bring him on board. And while they're at it, they're going to bring on board a lot of those uh, folks who want to walk away from the other company. And they're saying that this is one of the biggest things to happen in technology, is certainly an artificial uh, intelligence technology. Look, it's like the Industrial Revolution. It's good and it's bad. You know, the good part is it can read mammograms and advanced medical diagnostics, aviation safety checks, all that stuff that can be done by AI. Bad side, of course, is there's a lot of deep fakes and misinformation campaigns and all that. But this is an interesting development on AI. We're going to see what happens to this guy. All right. When we come back, we all know a big shopping day is Friday, Black Friday. But Saturday is small business. Saturday, we're going to talk to a local small business owner. Stay with us. Hey, we want to remind you to be sure to download the WJR app. It is free or Stream through WJR.com, Alexa, or Google Home. When I'm at home, it's through Alexa. Easy peasy. Again, you can stream through WJR.com, Alexa, or Google Home. We'd love to have you join us like that. All right. We all know Black Friday. It's Friday. It's interesting. Our shopping habits have really changed in the last uh, 10 years even. Uh, It used to be that was the big shopping day. I can't tell you the number of times I was sent out as a reporter that day, bright and early, to talk to all the people who had waited in line, sometimes for a couple of days, to wait for that uh, big deal on that uh, big widescreen TV. But that doesn't really happen as much anymore. And at the same time as we've seen that kind of diminish, we've also seen 
uh, a resurgence of interest in small businesses in our local communities. And so Saturday is uh, Small Business Saturday. This is an idea that started, I think it was about uh, 10 years ago. And it's really taken on a life of its own. We wanted to check in with one of our local small business owners to talk a little bit about how she looks forward to Small Business Saturday. Longtime small business owner in Birmingham is Lori Carble. Hi, Lori. Hey, Marie. How are you? Hey, we're great. Uh, Lori Carble et al. in Birmingham. Uh, Do they still call that the hill where you're located? Not so much anymore. Oh, not so much. Okay. Not so much. I think when it was a gallery, when they had a lot of galleries here, oh. it was more known for that. Well, you've been in that same location for many years. And in fact, I want to talk a little bit later about how you've been able to transform yourself through the years. But let's talk a little bit about uh, Small Business Saturday. What are you looking forward to on Small Business Saturday? Are you having special deals in your store? I think that we're going to offer a discount on clothing. Um, and it's generally a pretty busy day for us. A lot of times the malls seem to be busier, and it, it changes from year to year. But uh, we have tended to stay very busy during that uh, for that day. Would you agree that shopping, that people have maybe come around to uh, shopping locally more often than they did in the past, or am I wrong about that? I kind of get that feeling, that sense. I think you're absolutely right. I think especially during covid uh, I'm not exactly sure what made them change their mind, but I think that uh, things changed quite a bit. I think people started to think much more about having being a small business. Right. And I know that, of course, you did some very cool stuff during COVID. I know I followed you on social media where you would show items and then if people bought them, you would pack them up. You'd have them waiting outside the door for people to pick up. I know you did a lot of cool uh, stuff during that time. And thankfully, those days, I think you'll agree, those days are over. Thank goodness. So now you can now you can see. People drive by the back of the store and opening their trunks and throwing it in or drive to people's home to drop something off. I know, but it's the only way you could get by. Lori, how how important uh, is the customer service component to uh, Small Business Saturday? I think it's always important. We uh, always try to do our best here, and I really think that's what uh, keeps people coming back. We do. We have great customer service. We do great gift wrapping here, and we know, I mean, we always get new customers, but a lot of our customers have been coming to us for years, so we know each other well. We know about each other's families, so it's kind of a family here. Right, and I know that there are a lot of small businesses up in your area of Birmingham, again, uh, along Old Woodward here, uh, there, as you head up uh, north, uh, back where you can rejoin Woodward Avenue, and there's a lot of small businesses in that area. Do you often confab together on things that you can do to make uh, to bring more business to your area? We used to try to do that, but um, I would say in the last several years, the block has changed a bit, and we haven't really been doing anything. We, we the city was helping us out for a while. But we kind of all do our own thing now. All right. So tell me how you're preparing for uh, Saturday. Have you brought in uh, new merchandise? Um, How are you? uh, How is it different from years gone by in terms of how you market what you do on Small Business Saturday? 
Well, I don't know if I've changed the market, but it's holiday time, so we're always uh, loaded to the gills with things at this point in time. <laughs> it's just a little bit different this year as the prices have gone up, so it's harder for someone who comes in here. It's harder to have a smaller gift. Everything, the prices of things have gone up. So we're trying to do the best we can so everybody feels included when they come in the door. Right, that you have something for everybody. I know everybody. I never want anyone to walk out of here and feel like they can't find something great here. Right. And and, and so obviously price point is very important for all shoppers. Uh, And really, it doesn't matter, right? Absolutely. But it's just been hard with inflation yeah, and everything, other prices of things have gone up and it's harder to find, you know, a gift that was $50 to $75 now and so forth. So, but I never, ever want someone to come in here and feel like there's not something great for them. Yeah. And that's sticker shock. And I'm sure you hear about that all the time when, and I'm, look, we all, we all see it, we all feel it. And that's, yeah. That's just where we're at right now. I know that your store has had many reinventions. How long have you been open in Birmingham? I just finished my 33rd year. <laughs> that is quite an accomplishment, Lori. I can't put myself. <clears throat> yeah, quite an accomplishment. You were obviously very young when you opened your store. And so how you've, like I said, you've reinvented yourself. What has prompted those reinventions and why has that been important to your longevity? I think that, you know, when I first started, I was all cosmetics and products and I, you have to watch the market and see what's changing and see what's working. And when I first opened, there was no Sephora. There was no, there were no stores like that. There was no Ulta, but as stores like that came on the scene, it was time for me to take a look and see. So I've always just, evolved. I've always been open to try new things. And I think actually that's what people like here because I always have different things here. Yeah. You can find things that you can't find other places. All right. So give us the big plug. When are you open on Saturday? What are your holiday hours uh, coming up? Uh, Starting this weekend, we're open on Saturday from 10 to 5, like we always are, but we'll also start opening on Sunday from 12 to 4. All right. And uh, Lori, do you, you have an online presence, correct? I do. I have a website. And that is, we want to make sure we give that out. Thank you, Marie. Uh-huh. It's uh, com. Very easy. Yeah. All right. Lori, listen, good luck to you. Um, and you, I'm, I'm glad you're, you're the shop that has the little puppy who's very friendly to everybody. Yes. <laughs> he became part of our interview, which we're grateful for. Lori, good yeah. luck. Good luck to you and have a wonderful Thanksgiving. Thanks, Marie. Same to you and your family. All right. Will do. So Small Business Saturday is something that uh, many communities, we're going to talk more about this tomorrow. We're going to do some uh, talk a little bit about uh, the the overview for small businesses on uh, Small Business Saturday, but also what's happening in terms of a bigger picture 
and what we can expect from our small businesses. They really are the lifeblood of our community, and they're the ones that support us, and they're actually the ones, our dollars, when they're spent locally, stay local instead of being spent elsewhere. So we'll be talking more about that tomorrow as we gear up for not only Thanksgiving, but uh, for the shopping season ahead and the giving season ahead. You're listening to WJR. When we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about The TSA, believe it or not, you can tweet them and ask questions about what you can bring on your flight. What's allowed, what's not allowed. That's coming up next here on WJR. Now filling in, here's Marie Osborne. So many people heading out uh, for our Thanksgiving. I mean, we're looking at uh, record numbers of people flying today. The TSA expecting to screen 2.6 million people today, 2.7 tomorrow. Sunday will draw the largest crowds with an estimated 2.9 million passengers. Uh, That's going to set a record that we set back on June 30th. So people are back traveling by air. Of course, people by the millions are traveling by car uh, as well on the roads. Uh, But we're talking about flying and the numbers that are going to be out in the air. Uh, You know, this is something that surprised me. I don't know if it surprises anybody else. But I didn't know that it was that people actually wanted to carry leftovers with them from Thanksgiving dinner on the plane or taking food to your Thanksgiving dinner. I just thought this was kind of a strange idea. It's something that wouldn't occur to me as much as I love to cook and bake and everything else. This was a new thing to me. Apparently, the TSA has you can tweet the TSA and uh, or X the TXA. Is that what you say now? I guess it's Xing. Um, for carry on questions, all you have to do is uh, go to at ask TSA and you can get a direct response from a representative. So if you're not sure if you can take granny stuffing back with you from Omaha back to Detroit, you can go to the TSA and ask them that question. Natalie Compton is a travel reporter for the Washington Post. Welcome, Natalie. These are burning questions we need to know. Can we carry that stuffing with us from Granny's house? Uh, Well, good news. Stuffing, fair game. But I'm with you. For a while, I also wondered, is anyone actually traveling with Thanksgiving food We've been covering this for years, and recently I saw a tweet or an X or whatever we're calling it go viral (laughs) about people who have to do this. This woman was talking about how in her family people don't have enough room in the kitchen where they're going. They have to actually fly with some of the meal prepared. So apparently this is a thing. So fortunately, TSA has a little guidance on what you can and can't fly with in your carry-on. So tell us what are some, I mean, there's some general rules of thumb here. What are we looking Mm at? There is a cheesy but helpful rule that TSA has for food in general. Uh, It's very catchy, but if you can spray it, spread it, pump it, or pour it, it should go in your checked bag. And so as you're thinking about some of those Thanksgiving foods, you can think, does this spread on a cracker or would I be pouring this into a gravy boat? that can kind of dictate how this should go. So things like hard cheese, if you were going to stock a charcuterie board, you would be fine with that. But if you had creamy cheese or queso, you're going to have to keep that to the 3.4 ounces or less 
rule if it's going in your carry-on bag. So liquid rule or not liquid rule is really what it comes down to. Well, I, you know, there was also, uh, you, you write about uh, meats, you know, whether you, <laughs> and, and my thought on this one was, okay, so, you, you know, that's not something you can pour or spread, so it'd be okay on your, in your carry-on, but by mm-hmm. golly, wouldn't it smell? And what would the other parent passengers think about? I just think this is so weird. So, oh. uh, you would be surprised at what people bring on board and how fragrant their choices can be. Sometimes, even something like a freshly fried takeout order can be really pungent. But there's no rules for that on most flights. So. You can bring stuff in Tupperware, whether that's a bunch of turkey leftovers. You know, if it's cold, sometimes it it tends to have less of a smell. So you might want to bring stuff that's refrigerated for the sake of your fellow passengers. So, again, uh, the the TSA, you can, I guess, X them at Ask TSA, uh, uh, which I think is amazing that an actual service representative will answer you. I think that's very cool. And uh, you're, as you said, if it, you can spray it, spread it, pump it, or pour it, you really can't do bring it on board with you. It'll have to go into your checked luggage because obviously that would uh, pose a security risk. Um, you know, who knows what could be in your cranberry sauce, right? So. <laughs> I would say that to TSA's credit, we have done this to ourselves. And by we, I mean the, the royal we. When you follow the TSA social media accounts, you see all the different ways that people have tried to hide knives and contraband. And they really do put it in lots of liquids. Like we've seen multiple guns in uh, peanut butter. So if it wasn't for the craziness of other travelers, we might be able to bring these spreadable items on. But alas, we don't live in that world. No, we don't. I'm fascinated also that um, as a travel reporter, you've reported on this for a while. It comes up every year that people are really wondering, what am I going to do with this gravy? Can I bring it on board? But uh, it's something that we we think about through the holidays. But um, honestly, it also comes down to what TSA agent you get. They do have the discretion to let things go. We famously saw a couple years ago the influencer celebrity cookbook author Chrissy Teigen was stopped at TSA for bringing mashed potatoes and gravy through the airport and agents let her pass by pouring her gravy into her mashed potatoes. They said, fine, whatever, you're good to go. Well, other people have been stopped for having mashed potatoes because they are kind of spreadable. So really it comes down to what agent do you have on Turkey Day and beyond because sometimes they'll let you go and and sometimes they'll be more strict with those rules. For heaven's sakes, Christy, you could just, this is cheap. Mashed potatoes and gravy are cheap, okay? You can just make some yeah. at home. You you and John Legend could just have a good time making that at home. Tell me yeah. some about, if I could just uh, Im, uh, impose on your travel uh, knowledge here, what are some of the trends that we're seeing for holiday travel this year? We are seeing that prices haven't been as crazy as last year, so that is hopeful for people if you haven't already booked those later holiday flights. We're also seeing that thanks to remote work, flexibility is still being offered to lots of people that travel has spread out a little bit. But a trend that remains true is that if you are still figuring out your holiday travel plans, going on the day of the holiday, if you can swing it, is going to be less hectic and less expensive. So if you were to fly on Christmas Day or travel 
on Thanksgiving Day, you'll generally have less crowds and lower prices when it comes to flying. So if that can work in your plans, I would definitely recommend it. But uh, the absolute overall trend is people are traveling again in crazy numbers. So wherever you're going and whenever you're going, expect crowds at the airports. You're going to want to bring things like your own snacks and a water bottle and a portable charger because lines are crazy and outlets are full. So do yourself a favor and and plan in advance for those very busy travel days. Yeah, and uh, that whole thing about being able to work remotely, uh, I've Mm -hmm. heard that now a couple of times in some reporting saying, and I thought, what a great thing that is. I mean, that's changed, uh, you know, really our holiday structure and has given people more time with their families. So amen to that. What a great idea that um, maybe maybe you've been called back to full-time work but during the holiday you could still do some stuff remotely and get some work done while you're uh, somewhere else and you can have some flexibility in traveling what a great great thing that is absolutely it's making a lot of people's lives easier by getting to fly out you know the week ahead of a holiday and working remote from your aunt's house instead of just trying to everybody cram on the road on wednesday right so it really is a blessing i hope i hope we can keep doing it yeah continue all right natalie compton travel safe thank you a reporter for the washington post talking about what you can and can't bring on the airplane uh when you fly to or from your holiday destination i think it's a little weird that you're bringing chrissy teigen i love you but really it's weird that you'd bring mashed potatoes and gravy with you but again you can uh x or tweet uh at at ask tsa and an agent will actually get back with you on that we'll continue here on wjr stay with us and we are back wrapping up your tuesday afternoon it's a holiday week so we've got one more day to go hopefully you'll have your thursday off to enjoy with your family uh it's kind of a dismal day here as we it's really kind of a crummy day outside today in terms of the weather. I just got a text from John Swicklow with the uh, Macomb County Executive's Office telling me, don't forget Macomb County's Shop Local campaign, and you can get all the details at macombgov.org. John, we'll talk more about this Shop Local thing tomorrow because we know so many communities in the metro area have great shopping districts. I could name Five of them just sitting here um, that are just great, great uh, shopping districts. When I think of Macomb County, I think of Mount Clemens and the great shopping destination there as well to keep in mind. So we are wrapping up the show for today. And Ken Brown joins us here in the big studio. Hello, Ken. Hello, Marie. How are you today? Great. So are you going to the game on Thursday? Uh, no, you know, tickets now you can't get a ticket. You know, 10 years ago, you probably could go down the day of the game. <laughs> first quarter get a ticket play in the game you know now you you can't get a ticket the bandwagoners have jumped on them now so. yeah so uh i understand their standing room tickets are going for two hundred dollars uh with seats along the 50 yard line uh going for thousands of dollars but you're saying there's probably no tickets available no. Well, you, you know the weird thing now is remember when it used to be scalpers outside and they would oh, sell yeah. tickets, but now everything's electronic and you 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 pay over your phone and you scan your phone with the tickets yeah. now. So I don't know how the, the scalper market works. So if you go down and you like do scalpers give out iPhones to you when you buy tickets, 
I mean, it's just weird. Everything's electronic now. <laughs> I think, yeah, I think maybe they give you an iPhone. With yeah. You. But I, I always worry when you when you do that that you're getting, getting a real fake, thing. right? Yeah, you know, yeah. you're you're not getting yeah. you're not getting the real. As long deal. as I get in, I don't care if it's fake or not. Once I'm in, I'm in. So if you, if you get a fake ticket or fake scan and it gets you in, I'm happy. So I, I'm sure you're on this uh, Detroit Lions bandwagon. I mean, who isn't? Yeah. Even I know nothing about sports, and I'm like, yeah, let's you right. know, let's watch. Yeah, I mean, it's been a long time. Any, all of us people all that have us. sat through these bad years, yeah. And we've, you know, like we we used to. Matter of fact, I was thinking about it the other day. We our first lion. We used to have a lion on every week. Our first lion was like Scott Mitchell. Oh, and that's how long him. we've been doing it. And, yeah. and no wins. They had a couple of years that were decent, but nothing like this. You know, this is a good year. And I just enjoy it. Yeah. And, you know, um, there is nothing like a uh, playoff for any professional sport and what happens in the city. Um, I remember the last time the Tigers were in a World Series. It wasn't that long ago. Um, I happened to have been doing some street reporting uh, yeah, yeah, at the yeah, time. It was a long ago. It, it, <laughs> was it really? Yeah, that? it was like 2012. Okay. It's been a long long time, Marie. (laughs) (laughs) All right, 2012. It was just yesterday. Just yesterday, right. It was just yesterday. But what I remember what was interesting during that time, during that October stretch when they were at the World Series, no matter where you went, you go into the 7-Eleven to get a Coke, everybody was happy. Whether you could talk about baseball or talk about sports didn't matter. Are you going to the game? Are you going to go to a, to a restaurant nearby maybe and just kind of be part of the vibe? So certainly all of this is just going to be great, great news for, you know, what it does to all of us mm-hmm. in the city. And the best part is, you know, since they moved downtown, the parade would always be separate when they were in Pontiac. You know, the Lions, yes. the of Pontiac. Yes. But this is like the first time really it's going to be a a parade and a real good team and a real good game. So that whole mix downtown on um, Thanksgiving is great. I mean, we used to do the games where we would, I would have to, I would broadcast from Eastern Market, and it would be just crazy out there. And I, I, this whole thing is just a, it's giving a nice vibe. I just, I wonder if they won the whole thing with people in February lying Woodward. You know what? Yes. Oh, yes, they would. Oh, yes, they would. I think people are going to lose their minds. I mean, they got to lose, lose your mind. It's like 20 below out there. On no, the February. I, I, I don't think there will be. I remember during the uh, hockey, uh, the Stanley Cup wins. I mean, it was 100 degrees yeah. out there. I remember getting sunburned yeah. being out there because we were working, of course, here at WJR. And I mean, we were sunburned from from covering that. People didn't care. I wonder. I might have to go look at some archives because nobody left around here to get an answer to that. I wonder when they won the Lions won at 56. Did they have a parade downtown? Oh, I don't even. Well, did they even have parades at the time? Uh, that's what I'm wondering. I wonder if they have yeah, one because it would have been well, cold then. I just yeah. wonder if did people show up then. All right, we'll have to, we'll have we'll to have find to, out. About yeah, that. we'll have to check that out. All I'm right, sure let's talk. A couple of people that worked here were there. Yeah, well, somebody. We'll find somebody. <laughs> Got Paul's number? Here. No, I'm just yeah. kidding. No, I'm just kidding, Paul. <laughs> oh, just ooh. kidding, Paul. Okay. What? Uh, so, at your kitchen table or at your uh, Thanksgiving table, is it stuffing or is it dressing? Unfortunately, is what you mean? What's it called? Because yeah, it's the what, same what thing. Right. No, it's different. Stuffing is what goes, uh, excuse me, dressing is what's cooked in a pan. Right. Stuffing is what goes in the bird. But is it the same thing, though? Uh, you just, where you cook mixture. it. The same it's mixture. It's just where stuff. you're cooking right. it is right. different. But right. it tastes different. Yeah, well, I don't like either one of them. So I, oh, we have both. Really? Because they stuff it with it and then they have a, a pan full of the dressing. 
But, you know, I'm, it's just bread to me. I, I don't like it. So you don't That's like it. That's my least favorite of what, all. What's the, your favorite thing? Because these guys said double Mashed eggs. potatoes, macaroni and cheese, ham. I'm, I'm a turkey guy to a point, but I'm not really a, so even you, a big turkey so guy. So you guys have the ham and the turkey yeah, ham and on turkey. the table. Yeah, yeah. I got yeah. my Popeye's Cajun turkey this, again this year. You're going to do a Cajun turkey. I do them every year. I go to Popeye's and get a Cajun turkey and, and heat it up that morning. It's in the defrost mode now. But those turkeys are great, but the price has gone up in a year. You go to Popeye's, the, the fast food joint? And they got them. And they got them big to big pound turkeys. They're the freezer. And you get one, you take it home, and then you, you put it in the refrigerator to thaw it. And in the morning, you put it in the pan. You got to heat it up for like three hours. And the juices go in. and You're it, not it heating fantastic. it up. You're actually cooking it. Just well, so you're you know. really heating it. It's already cooked. Oh, it's already cooked. Yeah, it's kind of already oh, cooked. So you're heating cooked. it. Yeah. Okay, so, so you're heating you it You heat it for a couple of three hours, I think it is, and then it's done. You got to you know, brown the skin on the top by taking the tinfoil so off So is it, it spicy? It's not hot spicy, but it is delicious. It is delicious. I think this is the third in a row I've had them. I have not heard this. I'm I'm surprised. You got to get them quick because if you go to some pop, like they run out of these things. Everybody knew about them when I started doing it, but everybody knew to go get them there. And you call some Popeyes don't have them, some do. But I find I know a secret one that has them all the time, which I can't tell. Oh, you have a secret, a secret, a secret Popeyes a location that a secret always Popeyes has supply. Them. Yes. Oh. Well, I, this is not something I thought you'd be the kind of guy to uh, fry your turkey. You know, that's, a, that's I used a to huge... fry them. Until I almost burned the garage down. Well, yeah, that's a big problem. Yeah, that's a big problem. Yeah. You've got to really, you can't really do it in a The garage. secret, though, put the turkey in there with water first and find your level. Then take the turkey out, mark the level of the water there. Right, because then you'll it out, know and then to put get the, the grease oil. in. Yeah, then you get then the Then you put the turkey in because you don't want to just fill the thing up and then put that bird in. Otherwise, you just five alarmer cooking tips from ken there brown that's go. and and of course you guys have the mac and cheese on the table mac that's and cheese. we don't we're not mac and cheese family really but although i did say because we're italian we always have pasta yeah it's the same so thing it's, it's, more, it's just a different yeah, name for it that's all it's the same exact thing people are like wait a minute what you have a pasta course yeah, yeah. we do you know it's thanksgiving yeah. christmas you gotta have that there's only like five things that you can cook and they call them different things in each culture it's all the same thing oh no that's it's all the, the truth. same stuff that is the truth but people get really militant when you know don't have that stuff on the table. All right, you guys are coming up next. Coming up glad. next. Yep, we're, anything good coming up? Uh, we're going to talk to Angelo Cataldi. We're going to talk to Angelo about the big game and if uh, Michigan is going to be tainted if they don't win this game. All right. Against looking, Ohio State. We're looking forward to Mitch uh, Album and Ken Brown and the crew coming in next here on WJR. Thank have you, a Marie. great afternoon. We'll see you tomorrow.